Thanks for listening to The Chapel Podcast. At The Chapel Church, our passion is to share the hope of Jesus to individuals, the community, and the world. Listen in as Pastor Brandon Joyner shares an encouraging and challenging message from God's Word. It was our first year of marriage and things were going great. My wife and I were enjoying getting to know each other and we were quickly finding out all the quirks that you only discover once you move in together. And uh, several months had passed, and I was a youth director up in Pennsylvania, and my wife was brand new to the state of Pennsylvania, as well as our church body. And the church that I had come from uh, was a large church, and so it took her a while to get to know uh, many people. And so several months into it, um, it it finally uh, occurred to me that uh, there was an issue that needed to be resolved within our marriage, and it was probably the first major issue that took place within our married life. And so um, I felt that my wife, in our conversations at church, I was far more sensitive back then than I am now, Uh, but there's been different people in this church that has allowed me to overcome my sensitivity because of the abuse that I receive. Uh, But anyway, when I was first married, I was was very sensitive, especially with my wife and the things that she had she never did anything bad. I was just sensitive. And so we had conversations with people and she would say things because my friends would like to pick on me, believe it or not. I seem to attract those type of people. I don't know why. And maybe that's why Tim and I are such good friends. Um, But my wife would kind of jump in there, never did anything bad, but I took it as being disrespectful. And so one particular evening, I had it all worked up in my mind. It was time for me to godly, in a godly way, address my wife for her wrongdoing. And so we get in the car, and I buckle in, and she buckles in, and I said, this whole scenario played out in my mind. I'm going to address my wife, and it's going to go over wonderfully. She's going to come to me. She's going to apologize and repent of her sinful ways. And so I laid it out to her. And it was the exact opposite of what I had played out in my mind as far as her response goes. And it always seems to work out that way. So it took me several months to to really kind of wrestle through this. And my wife, who responded not in the way that I desired for her to respond, this, this disagreement continued to last for probably several more months into the first year of our marriage. She would say things, and I would take it as being disrespectful, and I'd respond back to her, and she would take it as being unloving. It wasn't until I did a study in our next text here, Ephesians chapter 5, that I realized exactly what was going on. See, I had a conversation with my wife after I kind of calmed down and grew up a little bit. She actually wasn't being disrespectful in any means. She saw that my friends were picking on me, and so she felt like in order for her to be able to connect with my friends and fit in, that she had to kind of jump in. And again, she never said anything bad. She had to kind of jump in as well. And I realized that that was actually her way of showing me that she loved me. Because she was seeking to try to build a relationship up with my friends whom she knew I loved and I cared to be around. And so when I got in the car that day and I said, honey, you are being disrespectful, blah, 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 blah. I failed to recognize that what she was doing was actually loving. And so I responded back to her in what was an unloving way. And rather than my wife respond back to me in a respectful way, she felt hurt in what I said. And so she responded back to me in a way that I interpreted as being disrespectful. And you know what happened from that point? It was this continuous downward cycle until eventually I realized this is what's taking place. We need to reverse the cycle. Take your Bibles with me and turn to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5 this morning. As we round out this wonderfully incredible book, we come to the close of Ephesians chapter 5. Over the past several weeks, we've been focusing on the three walks 
commands that occur prior to this. We saw this command to walk in love, right? We walk in love. We're commanded to uh, exude the love of Christ to those that are around us. And so uh, we look at that. We looked at this command to walk in the light. In other words, this is how a Christian ought to act. And then we, uh, we are showing the world how we now live as a Christian. And that's representing the light that we walk in rather than in darkness. And then we looked at last week with Pastor Bryce, this command to walk in wisdom and how we fill ourselves with the Holy Spirit, the control of the Holy Spirit, rather than being controlled by other things such as alcohol, as he specifically mentions here in this text. But now he transitions to focus on the relationships that take place within the human side of the relationships. And specifically, he looks at perhaps one of the most significant human side relationships, and that is marriage. Marriage is an absolutely wonderful institution that means so much more than just a man and a woman coming together physically through the realms of marriage. Marriage is actually a representation spiritually of God's relationship or Christ for that matter in his relationship with the church. Why do you think throughout the Old Testament the prophets called the nation of Israel harlots whenever they turn their back on God? He calls them whores, he calls them harlots, and he always seems to use a sexual analogy to describe what was taking place in the spiritual life of their own hearts. Why? Because they were turning their backs on the one true God whom God desired to have an intimate relationship with and turning it to other gods. He compares that as spiritual adultery. And so when it comes to the realm of the human relationship with marriage, that is God's way of showing the world this is what Christ's relationship to the church looks like. Why do you think Satan is so hard uh, in its attack on the marriage relationship? Because if he can rip away the foundation of the family, he's ripping away the very foundation of what I would say is, is, is is the Christianity or at least the outward sign of Christianity. He's ripping away the foundation. And so the Apostle Paul says, listen, you're under attack, but if you follow these words here, you will have a successful and dare say a blissful and happy marriage. A perfect one, no, but it'll be far better than it would be if you did not follow these commands. So the title of our message this morning is simply this, God's instructions for a successful marriage. Take a look with me in Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to read verses 22 down to the end of the chapter. The Bible says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is head of the wife, also as also Christ is head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word, that he might present to her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bone bones. For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh." This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. 
I recognize that in this room this morning, we have people from all different uh, levels of their relationship. We have teenagers who clearly are not married yet, but I dare say that you desire at some point in your life to be married. We have those that have graduated and you are in college and maybe you're dating and at some point you desire to be married. And those that are in grad school, maybe you're not dating yet, but maybe you desire to be married. And then there's those that have been married for a short period of time, those that have been married for a medium period of time, and of course those that have been married for a longer period of time. I say all that to say this, just because you're not married now does not mean that we should just overlook the scripture references that are here. See, the issue with uh, any, any marriage counselor for that matter will tell you that one of the most important things about marriage is what? Communication. But here's the problem. Sometimes we think communication has taken place when it really hasn't. See, what we think that takes place is communication, just words, right? Exchanging words back and forth. I told you, honey, to go pick up the groceries, and you did, and so therefore we think communication has taken place. But the problem is our assumption in communication taking place is really the issue because just because we've said words doesn't mean that the person understood exactly what we were saying, how we intended it to be said. For example, uh, there was an older couple. They were having uh, dinner one evening, and this older couple had been married for many years, and the romance is... Uh I wouldn't say it's fizzled out, but it certainly isn't as bright as it once was. And so the wife is sitting there, and she's looking at all these different couples, and she notices an older couple sitting over there in the booth, and they're a little weird because they act like they love each other in public. And so she notices that. She sees that the husband is sitting next to the wife, and he, is, he has his arm around her, and he's whispering sweet nothings into her ear, and she's giggling, and he touches her hair a little bit. And so the wife looks over at the husband in her caring way to encourage him. She says, honey, or babe, why, why don't you do that? And the husband's looking at his Caesar salad. He's eating it. He looks up. He looks over at the couple. He says, sweetheart, I don't even know that woman. So why would I do that with her? <laughs> and so you see what I mean? Like communication, we think, has taken place, but it hasn't. It's like you're getting ready for Sunday morning church, and your wife says, I have nothing to wear. What she means by that is, I have nothing new to wear. The husband says, he looks at his closet, I have nothing to wear. What we mean by that is, I have nothing clean to wear. We say the same thing, but we both mean something completely different. The bottom line that we have to keep in mind is, when we want to communicate in our relationship is this word, grace. Grace. When it comes to communicating with one another, when it comes to our treatment towards one another, we have to understand that grace must be present in our relationship. When the wife chooses to respect her husband, she is treating the husband with grace. When a husband loves his wife as himself, he is treating his wife with grace. Therefore, grace is the foundational word when it comes to our relationship with our spouse. And so let's first look at, there's only going to be two points, and we can really narrow this down into two different words, and that is love and respect. Love and respect. First off, the wife has to respect her husband. Unfortunately, these verses that I just read are borderline curse words within the realm of churches today, right? Or the realm of society. I shouldn't say churches. When the Bible says that the wives must submit to their husbands, the, the, the world itself does not want to hear that. Why? Because in our own hearts, the last thing we want to do is submit to anyone. Because rebellion is what is in the heart of mankind. 
I think Pastor Bryce mentioned this last week, or we might have talked about it on Wednesday. I, I can't remember. Uh, but if you were to look at the original fall of man, or back at the fall of man, when Satan tempted Adam and Eve, what convinced Adam and Eve to sin? It was the thought that, at least with Eve originally, that she could be like God. And so she chose to rebel against God in order to be like God, because at the heart of every single man is this, this desire to, you can't tell me what to do. If you were to look at the Old Testament, the Old Testament law. The Old Testament law was never designed to make mankind holy. The Old Testament law is there to show mankind just how unholy he truly is. The Apostle Paul talks about that all throughout Romans. He says that the, what the law was weak in, in other words, when the law was there, all it did was make mankind want to break it. Think about the law that you set up for your kids. Okay, you seem to, everything seems to be clicking along, but the moment you break a rule, it's like the kid's like, I'm going to, or make a rule, the kid's like, I'm going to break that rule. It's like, it's like the desire that we have in our heart. There's a rule there, I'm going to do what I can to break it, because rebellion is in our hearts. We don't want to submit to anyone. So, the, so Paul starts off and says, why submit, respect your husband's. Now, that word submit means to be subject to. In other words, the woman is to fall underneath the leadership and the authority of her husband. In verse 21, part of walking in wisdom uh, is submitting to one another in the fear of God. Pastor Bryce already touched on this last, uh, last week. If you were to go all the way back to the Garden of Eden, we understand that this, this, this desire in, in our hearts is to rebel against mankind. We see God say to Eve in Genesis chapter 3, verse 16, He says, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. In other words, the pain that you experience, ladies, and the birthing process is a result of the fall of mankind. That's part of it. Then he goes on and says, In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. What does that mean? Does that mean that it's a curse that you want to be loved by your husband? No, it's not what he's talking about here. He's saying is, your desire for your husband, and he shall rule over you. In other words, the fall of mankind messed up the complete harmony of the relationship that God desired. So the fact that a woman in this case, desires to be over her husband or not submit to her husband is a result of the fall of man. And the husband is the ruler over the wife. That's, there's a tension there that exists because of the fall of mankind. Literally, it's part of the curse. It's this tension that exists between the, the husband and the wife. But it's not just the woman that has the problem with the submission aspect because, you know, what do the, the guys say? You need to submit to me, wife, right? It's not just her that has the issue. The guys have the issue as well because I dare say that the man must submit to the needs of the wife as well. Um, I'm going to be careful in what I say here because I know we have younger kids here, but way back in the day I was involved in Indirectly, not directly, I was involved in a, in a couple, a missionary couple, uh, who the husband ended up going to jail because he forced his wife to have relationship with him within the realms of marriage, even though she did not desire to. And he used this biblical concept of, you will submit to me, so therefore you will fulfill my physical needs within the realm of marriage. He said, well, isn't that what you're supposed to do? Uh, yes, that's a part of it, but you should never force your wife to do anything that she doesn't desire to do, especially with that. See, the problem is sometimes us men can get the mindset that the wife must listen and obey and do everything that I require her to do, but we fail to submit to her needs as well. And so, yeah, she's supposed to submit to us, but we forget, hey, as a man, we're also supposed to submit to our wife. We're going to talk about that a little bit later on. It's called loving your wife as your own self, as your own body. But let's dig into this a little bit deeper. 
This, this idea of submission and respect generally within the American culture, the American culture itself has taught us that respect must be what? Earned. You must earn my respect. Point to me in Scripture where it says that a husband must earn the respect of his wife. Now follow me, okay? Just don't jump on me yet. But let's look at what Scripture says. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 17 through 18, Paul says, Honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king, servants, be submissive to your masters with all fear. And then he adds this horribly bad addition to it. He says, not only to the good and gentle, but what? Also to the harsh. So if a husband is not worth respecting because he is a jerk, that does not give you as a wife the permission to disrespect him, according to the scriptures. Let's take it a little bit, one step further. Um, may, I don't know the marriage situation of everybody in this room, but maybe your spouse, your husband in particular, is not a follower of Christ. Should you submit to a husband that does not follow Christ, then the answer to that question would be, Yes, unless the husband is telling you to do something that goes against the word of God. Don't get mad at me. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 through 2, uh, the Bible says, Wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands, that even if some do not obey the word, in other words, they're not followers of Christ, they, without a word, may be won by the conduct of their wives when they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear. What is he saying here? He's saying if your husband is not a follower of Christ, still submit to him and still love him. Again, unless he's telling you to do something directly against the word of God, still submit to him. Because it may not be, and it, it probably won't be by your nagging, get the church, get the church, get the church, follow God, follow God, follow God. It's what he says here. It's not by your word, but by your conduct, your love for him and your love for the Lord, that husband may be one. And so when it comes to the submission aspect, wives, what are, what are you supposed to do? Submit and respect your husband. It's, it, that, that's what that word submit means. It means respect to them. It doesn't say love your husbands. That comes naturally for you. But another reason why he doesn't say love your husbands, because your love for us from that standpoint without the respect does not communicate love to the husband. See, the problem with this is the wives look at the world through pink glasses and the men look at the world through blue glasses. I mean this respectfully, but sometimes what we would perceive as being nagging from the wife, you may be doing that out of love. Honey, you're fat. Get on a diet. And you keep on, right? The reason why you're saying this is because I, I love you, honey. I don't want you to die, and I don't want you to take care of you when you're X, Y, Z years old. I want to do things with you, go on trips, so you need to get in shape. Okay, so you hound it, hound it, hound it, hound it, hound it, hound it, right? I guarantee you the husband does not take that as being loving. But respect communicates love to the husband. So that's an egotistical way to live. No, that's actually a God-given desire for a husband. Well, how so? God has created within the realms of society for the man to be the leader of society, but more specifically, the leader of the home. That is the hierarchy that God set up. There's God, there's the husband, and there's the wife, and then there's the children. 
So there's this desire within a man to go out there and conquer the world, more or less. To lead the family. That is a God-given desire to be respected. It is, it's when the sin nature goes into play that it becomes egotistical. But it is a God-given nature to be respected and to, to have his family follow his leading. And so therefore, wives, when you respect your husband, what are you doing? You're, you're promoting this desire within the husband that God has given him to lead. And so the wives are commanded to respect the husband. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 23 to 24 says, For the husband is the head of the wife, so also is Christ the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands. Uh-oh, here's another two words. What? In everything. In everything. Wives, sometimes your husbands are going to make the stupidest decision that they could possibly make. And unfortunately, in the loving them, you go along with that unless, again, it is disrespecting or going against God. That doesn't mean that you just remain quiet and never have a discussion with them. You do. You bring that up to them. But it takes us guys sometimes a long time to figure it out. But I guarantee you in your loving way of following that husband, even though he's a bonehead sometimes, that's going to communicate more love to him that will help your marriage overall than getting upset with him, walking out, and constantly harassing him and beating him down. So you as a wife this morning, you may be saying, well, how do I show respect to my husband? Very quickly, um, I'm going to give you an acronym, and all of it spells that word chairs, okay? They're going to give you six points here, and it spells this word chairs. And it comes from uh, this book, Love and Respect, by Dr. Emerson Egricks. Fantastic book. First off, there's this word conquest. Ladies, appreciate your husband's desire to work and achieve. This describes every man's natural desire to go out and conquer the challenges of the world. That's why oftentimes the job a man uses or works for describes who the man is. Hey, what's your name? My name is so-and-so. What's the next question usually us men ask? What do you do for a living? This is who I am. I have this desire to go conquer the world, more or less. Wives, appreciate that. No matter what he does for a living, blue collar, white collar, whatever, appreciate that. Secondly, there's this hierarchy. Appreciate his desire to protect and provide for his family. In this church building, I'm, I'm assuming that there are different levels of pay scales. I mean, that's just how it is with every church. There are some husbands that bring home a good amount of money and some husbands that don't bring home a lot of money at all, but they're working hard. Wives, don't ever compare your income to another family or another person's income that's outside of, that, that's in the realm of, of marriage. Because here's the issue. Men, Ingrained in every single man is this desire to make his family happy, but not every man has the ability to be able to make enough money as another man. And so when we, or ladies, when you subtly attack that, a man feels disrespected because he feels like a failure to provide for his family. I'll give you an example of how my wife has done the opposite of that. When we first started the church plant, um, we're a church planner, right? You're not, you're not rolling in it. And um, my, but God is always taking care of our needs. And there were times in which I felt guilty that my wife couldn't go get her hair done more often than she does or other things like that. 
And uh, my wife never made a big deal about it, but she would go and she would shop at grocery stores like Aldi. And she would go and buy clothes for our kids at consignment stores and secondhand stores like that in order to save money for our family because I didn't make as much money. She never complained about it. But you know what that did for me in my heart? I wanted to move the world so my wife could have whatever she wanted. She never said anything to me about it. She never beat me upside the head about how you don't make as money as the other person. She never did that. It was just her respecting the position that we were in and where God has called us to and her respecting that and never complaining. You know what that made me want to do is give the world to my wife and work even harder for her. And wives, I guarantee you, the husband will do the same thing for you if we respond that way. There's this hierarchy. The next thing here is this authority. Appreciate his desire to serve and lead. Praise the Lord and praise him when good decisions are made and don't beat him upside the head when he makes horrible decisions. There's this insight. Appreciate his desire to analyze and do counsel. And I say this with grace. Eve was not deceived or Eve was deceived. Adam disobeyed. I'm just going to say that right now. Eve was deceived. Adam was disobeyed, which means that does not mean that women are inferior to men. But sometimes God has given men this specific insight into things that, he, that a wife would not see. And a husband expresses that to the wife because he loves her. Wives, listen to it. Think about it. If, if the realm of marriage and how God designed it was followed through, Adam and Eve may have been in a different situation. If Eve would have submitted to the leadership of her husband and, 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 and looked at his, his counsel and the fact that he, she should probably not eat that fruit, then maybe she would have avoided that. If Adam would have stepped up and said something to his wife, because the Bible indicates that he was there, he was around there, and said, wife, you should not do it, maybe we would, have, we would be in a different situation. There's this, this, this term relationship. Appreciate his desire for shoulder-to-shoulder friendship. I'm going to say something. And don't worry, we're going to get to the guys here in a second. But ladies, if a guy wants to do something with you, go to a baseball game or whatever, and the last thing you want to do is go to a baseball game, you know what I would say to you? I would encourage you to do that every once in a while. Because your husband desires this shoulder-to-shoulder friendship with his wife. Do things that your husband wants to do every once in a while. Play video games with him every once in a while and spend time with him. And then finally, of course... Uh, there's this sexuality. Appreciate his desire for intimacy. I'll say this very quickly. Ladies need emotional release and men need sexual release. It's just how God designed it. When a wife treats her husband with respect, the husband will naturally respond in love to the wife. God's principle of submission isn't based upon the character of man, but rather the holiness of God. The submission of the wife to the husband must be unconditional according to the character of God, because when a wife ultimately submits, when she submits to her husband, she's ultimately submitting to the Lord. But now let's move on to the second point here, and then we'll be done this morning. The husband loves his wife. Notice the command of the wife, (laughs) and then notice the length of the command to the husband. God knows that it takes a little longer for husbands to get things. And so he says here uh, in verse 25, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. Once again, the Apostle Paul is comparing the human relationship to marriage and the spiritual relationship between Christ and the church. Paul commands the husbands to love his wife in the same way that Christ loved the church. How is that? Unconditionally and sacrificially. But I want to draw your attention down to verses 26 and 27. The Bible then says this bit of doctrine here. It says that Christ might sanctify 
sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present to her, to himself, a glorious church, not having a spot or wrinkle. Why would God compare what Christ did for the church to how a husband ought to love his wife? Think about it. Christ sacrificially gave himself for the church so that the church could be pure, holy, blameless, and without blemish. He says, husbands, love your wives as your own bodies, not for the sake of your marriage being easier, but ultimately for the holiness, the growth, and the sanctification of your wife. That is the ultimate reason why us as husbands, as Christians, ought to love our wife with our bodies. It's for her sanctification and holiness. Christ gave himself up for the church sacrificially so that the church could be pure. Husbands have to give themselves up sacrificially to the love of his wife so that she can be holy and she can be pure. That is your role as a leader of, of, of the household. But Paul drives himself, uh, he tries it down a little bit further in verses 28 through 29. He says, So husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. Paul uses this analogy of the husband's love for the wife as his love for his own body to express two truths. First off, he helps the husband understand the practical nature of loving his wife. A, a husband will naturally care for his body. He looks in the mirror, he take, well, most of us look in the mirror before we leave. We, we work out. We like how we feel when we take care of ourselves. The Apostle Paul says, just as you love your body and you feed yourself and you take care of yourself, treat your wife the same way. Uh, I'm, I, if I could use this as an analogy, not to be disrespectful towards ladies in any way, I just purely use this as an analogy. We have two different sets of, of, of dishware at home. We have the plates that we eat on every single day, and then we have the ones that are in the china cabinet. I don't know why people have china cabinets and dishes, but they do, because you don't touch them, right? But if we were to touch them, we would, do, uh, we would put on the nice gloves, and we would put on this, this great care. We would open it up, and we would take that plate, and we would make sure that it is only receiving the best care in the world. And that is how we ought to treat our wives. We treat her with great care, with great love, just as we would ourselves. The Apostle Paul says, Men, love your wives as yourself. This is why marriage should never have the words divorce or separated in the vocabulary. You treat yourself with great marriage, love, and care. We continue on here in verse 32. He says, this is a great mystery that I speak concerning Christ and the church. How, husbands, do I communicate love to my wife? First off, you have closeness with your wife. And all of these things together spell this word couple. Closeness. Be close to your wife. Your wife wants to be close to you. Hold her hand. Hug her. Not expecting anything in return by doing so. Show love to her. She wants you to be open with her. Share your feelings. All right, men, share your feelings with your wife. Understand her. Don't try to fix your wife. Just listen to her. Let her talk with you. Let her open up. Try to identify her feelings and empathize with her. Peacemaking. Your wife wants you to say, I am sorry. Allow her to vent her frustrations to you. And then there's loyalty. Make sure your wife knows that you are committed to her above all else. And then finally, esteem. Love your wife, cherish her, honor her above everything else. Put down the video games for a few hours and spend time with your wife and love her. 
We could go into a whole lot more than this, but I don't want to take up any more time here this morning. I do pray that this is an encouragement for you. I would challenge you to go home this morning and meditate on these tr scriptural truths here this morning. And I know that I spent more time with the ladies than I did the men, but we have men's Bible study coming up Thursday night. So you come on out. We'll finish out the rest of the study. But let's go ahead and...